Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this reading of your sacred word, and we call on you, O Lord, now to uh, teach us from your word, apply your word to our hearts, and change us uh, by the agency of your Holy Spirit. Uh, make us and shape us and mold us in the likeness of our Master. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. It's a bit of a review before we get to verse 21. Uh, last week we took verses 15 through 20, uh, where we saw that Jesus is concerned about restoring uh, relationships. If your brother, or we can say if your sister uh, has sinned against you, uh, go and tell him or her uh, his or her fault between you and him or her alone. Uh, if he or she listens to you, you have won them. Uh, obviously, the concern here is uh, for uh, the restoration of relationships. Uh, Jesus is interested in restoring uh, these uh, relationships. And I said last week uh, that what Jesus has in view here are the more serious matters. Uh, he doesn't have petty annoyances in view here uh, uh, those petty annoyances that sometimes uh, uh, we have to, to deal with from time to time, sometimes we're the culprit, sometimes uh, we're the petty annoyer, um, sometimes we're on the business end of those petty annoyances. Uh, that's not what's in view here. Uh, you'll recall last time I, I showed from several places of Scripture that uh, the call to Christ is in many respects a, a kind of a call to have a little bit thicker of a skin. Um, uh, Jesus doesn't have these, these petty annoyances in view. What he is talking about are the things that occasionally happen to us which create wedges in our relationships with others. Whenever a wedge has been created uh, between us and another person, well then Matthew 18, 15 and following, uh, 
uh, comes into view. Um, Jesus has given us instructions on how to deal with these things. He, he gave us a, a really a matter of steps here, if you will. The first step is if your brother her sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So we, you'll recall that the first step really is a private step. And it's really a very difficult thing to do. Uh, sometimes when uh, others sin against us, we go and we tell everybody but the one uh, who has uh, sinned against us. Uh, that's not really the way we're to conduct ourselves. It's not the best way to handle things, especially as our comments find our way back to the person uh, who has uh, uh, caused things that can further irritate the situation. Jesus says, go to him, go to her, you, just between you and him or you and her alone. Uh, it's a private step. If they listen to you, you've won them. You see that idea of winning, uh, that restoration. You, you won back what was lost. What was lost? Uh, the sweet intimacy between uh, your relationship. Uh, that, 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 that when that relationship is estranged, there's a loss there. And the design is to recover that loss. If that doesn't work, then we find two or one or two wise folks that we can take with us. And if that doesn't work, then the last step is to go to the church. Now, Jesus is giving these steps to his disciples and through this uh, to us as well. And uh, the disciples are listening to Jesus' instruction. And Peter, being the impetuous one that he is, uh, raises a very practical question in verse 21. Uh, Peter comes up and says to the Lord, uh, how often? Uh, how often uh, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, we can appreciate that question, can't we? Uh, forgiveness is not something that's always easy to offer, is it? Uh, once, twice. Now, the rabbis were teaching it at that time that uh, you should forgive your brother three times. If he sins against you, forgive him three times. And uh, there's probably no doubt but that Peter is feeling quite generous. And, and uh, we, we, do, we all know, I think, we don't need to be taught. Jesus would have us to forgive others. And uh, by the way, God seems to like seven. Seven is a good number. It comes up a lot. So uh, how about uh, seven times? Uh, you, how many times should we forgive our brother? Seven times. Uh, Jesus is, uh, of course, characteristically stunning here with his answer. Uh, what does he say in response to Peter? He says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Or if you will, 77 times some of your translations will say 77. Some will say 70 times 7. That's because the Greek can be translated either way. Uh, the number is not what's important here. If the number were important, then uh, when we get to number 76, we might say to somebody, now listen, I've forgiven you 76 times. Um, you come to me on the 77th, that's going to be the last time. And of course, that would be completely against the spirit of this. It's not the number uh, that's important. What Jesus is saying with this number is that we're to offer this forgiveness. When someone is seeking it, we're to offer it indefinitely. How many times? Indefinitely. That's how many times. How many times? Every time. Every time. And Jesus tells us a powerful parable uh, afterwards to flesh out just what he is talking about. He's giving us a, a charge here that is humanly impossible for us to, to conduct, to carry out. And Jesus is going to give us some instruction. And inside that, that instruction is the uh, empowerment, if you will, 
to carry this out. And the parable that follows here as, uh, the, is the parable that has become to be known as the parable of the unforgiven servant. Now, there's a lot of important uh, information and issues here. And originally, what my intentions to do was to uh, handle the most important of these uh, in one sermon and then next week move on to Matthew 19. But as I began writing and I began thinking, okay, I need, I need to work this in, I need to work that in, I need to work this in. Oh my goodness, this is going to be a long message if we try to do this all in one, in one uh, sitting. So I've decided to take it in two parts. Uh, this morning what I really want to focus on simply is the power uh, to forgive. Because uh, that seems to me to be the starting point. If we're going to offer this forgiveness and we're going to be offering this forgiveness indefinitely, we're going to need grace to do that, aren't we? Uh, in fact, to forgive anybody, period, in a biblical sense, we're going to need grace. And next week, we'll look at what that forgiveness looks like. This, this morning, our, our objective is merely to see, okay, how can we be empowered to offer this forgiveness uh, the way that Christ is calling us to forgive? And next week, we'll look at what the forgiveness looks like. We'll handle such questions as, how often must I forgive? Uh, must I forgive unconditionally? Uh, these are questions that come up in the counseling room all the time. Uh, what does forgiveness look like? Uh, how do I know if I've truly forgiven somebody? These are important questions. And I, I, that's why I want to take a little time here. Uh, I don't want to rush over these things. So let's start by explaining the parable. Uh, in verse uh, 23, uh, Jesus begins to draw a comparison. If you look there with me, he says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared uh, to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Uh, we've seen this kind of language before. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, some of you were with us through that study. Uh, he, he constantly says the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, and then he'll, 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 tell, he'll, he'll talk, he'll maybe share a parable or share a story or give some kind of illustration. That's exactly what he is doing here. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who desired to settle his accounts with his servants. Now, as the king begins to tally up, uh, there's a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Uh, scholars have often attempted to try to calculate in modern terms what that number would be. Uh, I, I don't know. that We're always successful at that. I, I think one good way to look at it is to uh, tr try to um, uh, draw a comparison between antiquity and, and today. If, if you have an ESV Bible in your hands, you'll notice that there's a footnote in verse 24. And if you look at the bottom of the page of that footnote, uh, the ESV translators are often offering some very helpful information. Uh, they're saying that a talent is equivalent to approximately 20 years of an average laborer. In other words, one talent, it would take the average laborer 20 years to earn a talent. Now, this fella, owns the king, he owes the king uh, 10,000 talents. <coughs> if this man were to labor from this point forward, and he were to give all of his wages to the king, which would be impossible to do, he needs money to live on, but if he were to do this, 
he would have to labor for 200,000 years to pay off that debt. Uh, the point, again, with this number is like the other numbers that have been mentioned. It's an, it's, it's an impossibility. The debt is so big that he isn't capable of paying it back. Um, and since he could not pay, verse 25, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. Now, obviously, the, the servant begins to beg. Uh, he falls on his knees and he implores the king, have patience on me. Uh, and I will pay. And in verse 27, uh, the king is moved with compassion. The King James translation uses the word moved with compassion. Uh, other translations say pity. He had pity on him. Uh, I like that. Moved with compassion. Uh, he is moved with compassion. Uh, this, this is a snapshot of the very heart of God that we need to always remember whenever our sins are, are uh, when we're made aware of our sins, uh, that when we come to God and we, and we call on God to forgive us, God's heart is such that He is, he is moved with compassion. Uh, we want to see that here. Uh, th this man can't pay this debt back. Uh, and he's asking the king for patience, which is nonsense. Well, he needs about 200,000 years of patience here. Uh, he can't pay this back. Uh, yet the king, nevertheless, is moved with compassion. And he forgives uh, this servant of all of this debt. Now, if the story ended right here, it would be a wonderful story that I would say would be emblematic of conversion. It would be emblematic of a, of a sinner coming to saving faith uh, in Christ Jesus. Uh, but the passage doesn't end right here, does it? Uh, we have just a little more ways to go. Um, the forgiven servant, which... Uh, how about I refer to him so it doesn't get confusing? I'm gonna, we know how the story ends, so I'm going to refer to him as the unforgiven servant. Even though he is now, it seems that he has found mercy. Uh, the unforgiven servant. He goes off and calls one of his fellow servants uh, to tally up with the money that they owe to him. And we're told that this fellow servant owes the unforgiving servant a hundred denarii. Well, uh, what kind of debt is that? Uh, well, a denarii was approximately one day's wages for a common laborer. Uh, an internet search uh, revealed that right now the average hourly wage in the state of West Virginia is $14.80. If we multiply that times eight, uh, we come up with a number of $118.40. That is the average uh, uh, daily wage of a common laborer. And if we take 100 times that, just add two zeros to it, you get $11,840. Uh, it's a sizable sum of money, isn't it? But it's a payable sum of money. It's sizable, but it's payable. Uh, uh, now, when the forgiven servant, the unforgiven servant, that is, Finds the fellow who owes him, we'll put it in contemporary terms, when he finds the guy that owes him 11K, almost 12K, all right, when he catches up to him, what's he do? Takes him by the throat. Kind of like a, uh, 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 an episode of The Sopranos, if you will. He grabs him by the throat and he begins to choke him. And he begins to order that he, that he pays off everything that he owes. 
Well, verse 29, what does the fellow say? He falls down on his face and he says, have patience with me and I will pay you. Uh, I'll pay you everything that I owe you. Now that should have sounded familiar to the unforgiven servant. In fact, look at verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, quote, have patience with me and I will pay you. And look at verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, quote, have patience with me and I will pay you. Word for word practically. Word for word. Well, the, the unforgiven servant refuses and has his fellow servant put in prison until he would repay the debt. Now others are observing what's going on here. And we're told that they're greatly distressed by what they see. They're so distressed that they go and they tell the king what they've seen. And the king is distressed, so he calls the servant, the unforgiven servant, back into his presence. And he says in verse uh, uh, 32, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And then he asks him a question in verse 33, and this is an important question. This question actually uh, really is, the, the answer to this question really is the hinge pin if you will, of this whole parable. In verse 33, he says, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Shouldn't you have had mercy on him the way, I mean, sh sh I shared mercy with you. Shouldn't you have shared mercy with him? And then Jesus makes his powerful point in verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's a powerful, powerful verse made right there. Now, the first thing I want to say about verse 35 is I want, to, I, want to, I want to be really clear what verse 35 isn't saying before I go on to show you what it is saying. Uh, first of all, verse 35 is not teaching us that we find forgiveness by forgiving others. At a glance, it seems to be saying that, doesn't it? At a glance, okay, so also my Heavenly Father will do it every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. Okay, well, if we start forgiving our brothers, then God will forgive us. We could come to that conclusion. But the problem with that conclusion is if that is what Jesus is saying, then it, it, what Jesus is saying uh, is it, blatantly contradicting the gospel. See, as we're, as we're attempting to understand the Bible, we need to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Our interpretation of a particular verse must stand the scrutiny of the rest of the Scriptures. Jesus is not going to contradict the Gospel. He's not going to contradict it. So that's not what it's saying. We, we can't find forgiveness by forgiving other people. So then what is Jesus talking about here? Well, first of all, how do we find forgiveness? You find forgiveness by placing your faith and your trust in Christ Jesus, namely in His finished work on the cross, in His resurrection, in that perfect life that He went to the cross with, that life with, that, that's without stain, that perfect life that, that has been sacrificed in the place of sinners. We put our trust in the merits and the accomplishments of Christ Jesus. We put our faith in the fact that Jesus was raised on the third day, that He is seated at the right hand of Father Almighty where He is capable of saving us. 
That is how we find forgiveness of our sins. That is the only recourse that we have to have our sin debt paid and taken care of. There is no other recourse. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved, save the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we become saved. So what is Jesus doing here? How do we make sense of verse 35? Well, as I've already said, Jesus is setting up a comparison here. Uh, he's comparing a couple of things. Uh, the king is being compared to the father, obviously. And also there are two debts that are being compared to one another. There's the debt that the unforgiving servant owes the father. And there's the debt that others owe the unforgiving servant. Right? So what Jesus is doing here very graphically is he is teaching us, the, he's attempting to teach us the depths of our sins. How many times have we sinned against the Father? It's beyond our ability to calculate. First of all, we're not even always aware of when we're doing it. But if we were to start adding it up, what kind of number would we come up with? <laughs> I think you'll quickly conclude that we're kind of in the position of the unforgiven servant there, aren't we? There's a king who desires to settle his accounts. He called in a servant who had 10,000 talents. He called in another servant, his name's Rick Anderson, he owed 11,000 talents. He called in another servant, his name is, uh, I, won't, I won't mention you by name, but you get the point. He owes 8,000 talents. It, 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 what's the difference if you owe 8,000 talents or you owe 11,000 talents? You can't pay it back, can you? It's a complete impossibility to pay back. And that's the position that we're in. Even if we were to live 200,000 years, the fact is that we're sinners by nature. That's how we're born into this world. Sinners by nature. But we continue to sin. We continue to add to the debt. We have no currency. We have nothing to, to pay back with. And that's the condition that we're in, uh, left to our own devices. There's an interesting thing about this unforgiven servant that I want to point out to you uh, in verse 26. If you look at verse 26, uh, he doesn't deny that he owes 10,000 talents. He doesn't say, well, wait a second, I, um, uh, I think it's more like 9,000 talents. He doesn't say that. He agrees the amount. He doesn't argue that. But there's something interesting I want to point out to you about him. Uh, he, he's deluded into the fact that he somehow thinks he can repay. He asks for patience. <laughs> what makes him think he can cover this debt? It's the same thing that makes us think that all will be well for us on the day of judgment without Jesus Christ. It's the exact same delusion. That's one of the big problems that men, women, and children face is they're deluded in the respect that they think, you know what, when the day comes and I have to tally up and give uh, 
uh, an account of all my thoughts, words, and deeds that somehow the good things that I've done are going to outweigh the bad things and, and all is going to be well. What a terrible delusion that is. What an awful delusion. This man is deluded. There's another peculiar thing about the unforgiven servant, and that is his life is not changed by the mercy that he receives. It's not changed. Those who see his conduct see it. They're appalled at it. They go to the king. The king sees it. He's appalled at it. And he says uh, to, the, to the servant in verse 32, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And then verse 33, the question, it really is the hinge of this text. Uh, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Maybe that should have been our scripture memory verse this morning in hindsight. Is that really, that question really is, it, it points to the very heart of what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, the, the power of forgiveness really rests in first coming to at least some grips of the sin that we've committed against God. That we have all sinned against the holy and just God who has never done anything to us but love us. Who has never uh, forsaken us in any way. You see, until we begin to come to grips with that, we don't even have the benchmark upon which to make the other comparison with. You see, we have to have that part. Now, Christ wants us to see the relationship between our sins against God and our sins, or our others, uh, our, our brother's sins against us. And, you know, here, I mean, we see the absolute genius of Jesus here. Uh, it, it, Jesus is doing this. He's setting this up without diminishing uh, the, the things that happen to us. Now, I want to be faithful to the text here. And please, if you ever share this parable with someone who is wrestling with uh, having a problem giving forgiveness to somebody who's done something to them, uh, please be faithful to the text in this respect. The fellow servant did indeed owe the unforgiving servant a debt, didn't he? It's a sizable debt. In today's terms, it would be about $12,000. That's a sizable debt. It's a sizable matter. My point is this. Sometimes horrible things happen to us. And when we're coming alongside of someone who has had something horrible happen to them, please don't diminish it. If you do, you'll lose an audience with them right away. They'll quickly see you don't get it, you don't understand. They'll go and talk to somebody else. And rightfully so, they should go talk to somebody else. Jesus is not diminishing it. It's a sizable debt. That's the genius here. But what he does is he puts it in proportion. See, if we don't see our sin debt before Almighty God, we don't even have the eyes to see or the ears to hear this. We're completely out of the loop. That's why the unforgiven servant isn't changed. He's not changed. If we can't offer forgiveness to others, I mean, we prove that we don't get this. I mean, we prove that we've yet to come to grips really with the good news of the gospel. Ask yourself this question. Is the good news of the gospel good news? Or is it just okay news? If it's just okay news, chances are, 
are high, you don't get it. And that will make it impossible for you to offer the kind of forgiveness that we're being called here to offer. Is the good news the good news? Or is the good news just okay news? Now, if the good news of the gospel is yet to change your life, if it is yet to have an impact on your life, it has to be good news to you in order to change you. If it is yet to change you, then that proves that we're still outside of a state of grace. And that's what Jesus means here with verse 35 when he says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Jesus is not teaching us that we find forgiveness by offering forgiveness. Jesus is teaching us that those who have come and entered into a state of grace, who have recognized their awful sin debt, we don't recognize the depths of it. Don't misunderstand me. None of us understand the full depths of our sin. But recognize enough of it that you've clinged to a Savior and that you've realized that He has come and stepped in your place and washed you of those sins. A person who has experienced this is going to be a person who is going to have a tendency to be forgiving towards other people. That's the point that Jesus is making. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, uh, true believers are never going to wrestle with forgiveness. I see you might be sitting here thinking, man, I'm really wrestling with forgiving uh, this such and such person uh, that I really wish would get hit by a bus. Uh, I'm really struggling here. Uh, that necessarily in and of itself doesn't mean you're not a believer. I don't want you to misunderstand me here. Uh, as believers, we don't do anything perfectly. We don't do anything perfectly, and that includes forgiveness. Uh, true believers can get hung up uh, forgiving others. But in the case of a true believer, the Holy Spirit's at work in their hearts and in their lives. And will eventually give them uh, the ability to overcome these things. It's a wrestling match. And it doesn't mean we're going to go around forgiving people perfectly. Uh, sometimes that's a process. And we should see Matthew 18, 15 and following as a process. A lot of times this doesn't go, it's not as quickly as just making a house call. A lot of times, I, I, I've seen it operate quickly like that. A lot of times in the home, something happens, a child acts up or something takes place and it creates a wedge between him and his parents. And there's a little talk that takes place and it's a heart-to-heart -heart talk and the matter gets settled. A lot of times that happens. But sometimes the matter is more serious than that and you have another party that's trying to justify his activities and repentance hasn't come and this thing takes time. Uh, let's not look at this and think, okay, boom, 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 step one, step two, step three, all covered. Now it's much more messier than that. And when others have sinned against us, a lot of times we go through a process. And we want to be mindful of that process. But uh, I, I want to leave with one last thought that really occurred to me last night while I was looking this over. You know, we have a tendency to take these two amounts the 10,000 talents and the 100 denarii. And we have a tendency to reverse them. We act as though we only owe God 100 denarii and others owe us 10,000 talents when we're left to our own devices. And that is a recipe for anger and bitterness. 
That is, you mix those things together and you will get anger and bitterness and you will get it every single time. The answer is to reverse these. The answer is to come down to reality. Nobody has ever mistreated any one of us as bad as every one of us have mistreated God. And when we become to see that, and we run to the Savior, and He's moved with compassion to forgive us, we're changed, profoundly changed. And we become people who are inclined to forgiveness. Not perfectly so, but definitely inclined. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your compassion. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you have given us mercy. We recognize that often we have acted like we have only owed you a hundred denarii and Everyone else has owed us 10,000 talents. Reverse this permanently in our minds and hearts, Lord. That, Lord, we would have the power to offer the forgiveness that you are calling us to offer. And we would have the power to do it indefinitely. To your glory and for your praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen.